Bible studies show. Whoa! What up is Ruth? And she fell on her face. Oh no! <laughs> okay, so she and Ruth are kicking it in Bethlehem to come unto a people. Oh my which god! Which the Lord. So she's like, "Don't text him. Wash thyself, therefore." And anoint thee. I'm surprised. Because it's weird. Good thing I have the whole Bible memorized. <laughs> I went to a mountain and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I did meet a deer. I had a Snow White moment walking down a trail and then there was a little deer and I saw his little butt and he looked back at me and I was like, hello. And then he just like went about his business. She actually, I believe. Um, just doing deer stuff. And then my friend like coughed and I was like, sorry for the interruption. <laughs> and the deer just like looked at me and was like, you can leave anytime. I was like, <laughs> Gross. We just like heard you guys have this whole thing going on right now. We don't really want you coughing in our forest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, well, I didn't think I had to wear a mask out here. And she was like, well, you probably do should. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Bibleish, the podcast where we tell Bible stories. I'm Lily. I am Angela. And neither of us are religious experts, but we aren't here to tell you a moral. We're here to tell you a story. At Bibleish, we're serving up equal parts epic tale summary, which I can <laughs> say, <laughs> and drunk literary analysis. We're definitely not here to preach, so get ready to hear these stories in a brand new way. Also, we do not care to do these stories in order, so if you'd like to access a sequential list of episodes, you can join our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Our patrons are the amazing human beings that help keep this show going. We thank every single one of you for supporting us every month. And if you haven't joined yet, do it! Go to patreon.com slash podcast to join. And this week is that that end of Joshua. Joshua. <laughs> Remember Joshua? Oh my goodness! Feels so long ago. I know, right? But it wasn't. But it was. But it wasn't. But it was. Ah, <laughs> oh, Josh. Oh, Josh. Uh, before we begin, I had. A question for Angela. I actually ended up calling her in advance for this to give us some details for the answer to this question. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for this monumentous occasion, I'm going to have to actually start drinking. (laughs) Why are you using it like a hammer? (laughs) Lift it up. The face none of you saw that I just received. (laughs) It's really hard to do with no room. Here it is. I did it. The inside says cheers. What are you drinking? Ooh, cheers. This is just beer. It's just boring beer I got at the drugstore. Samuel Adams. Oktoberfest. Hardy and smooth. I'm drinking uh, wine, red wine, by Hoopla! (laughs) That is the most Lily thing I've ever heard. (laughs) 
When is your foot wine going to be ready, though? It stopped fermenting after I removed the skin, so I don't know. Is it done? I don't know. It's a one-ingredient wine, so it's I didn't add any sugar or water or anything else. I just wanted to make like a traditional ferment, so I did, and maybe it's done. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an ancient Roman. I don't know. Okay, well, you better start talking to some. <laughs> I gotta get in the time machine and see <laughs> what they would do. I'll yeah. show them my operation. We need to we need to rev up the time machine from early episodes. Get we you some Roman wine recipes. We haven't used the time machine, and I think it's because I've been so displaced, and it's in storage with the rest of my things. So, like, we haven't been able to easily access the time machine, and I'm sorry about that for. For everyone else, it really is a treat when we can, you know, actually go back in time with the machine we bought on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Also, screw Amazon. But also... (laughs) (laughs) It was a pretty good time machine. Some issues, but pretty good. (laughs) Again, someday, Lillian. Anyway, you had a question for me, which required math. I did. So I asked Angela for no reason at all to pick out (sighs) a weapon, ammunition, a tent, a functional yet stylish outfit, a food item. She was also asked to come up with an amount she thinks is fair for the average human to receive, well, I guess American to receive, since that's our perspective, for a monthly pay. Angela. Yeah, Lily. Choose your weapon. My hands. My bare free hands. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. Because my ammunition is throwing stars. Oh, all right, all right. (laughs) My first choice was going to be a bow and arrow, and I was like, "Can I? Can I fling the shooting stars like a catapult?" And then I was like, "No, no, no. (laughs) that's not how that works." (laughs) All right, so hands is your weapon. Throwing stars is your ammunition. Yeah, Angela, how much? does the set of throwing stars you found cost under $40 $40 is my high end. Cause I'm convinced there are better ones, <laughs> <laughs> but they're really like $5 a piece. So it's just how many I want to have. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Fling fling. Okay. And did I'm you find, take some eyes um, out? <laughs> did you find a tent that you liked? I did, because you know why, Lily? It's also got a Quick cot. interruption. This is brought to you by Pitch a Tent. Pitch a Tent. <laughs> here for all your tent needs. Oh. So what, what did you choose from Pitch a Tent, Angela? Um, well, I went to pitchatent.com. Don't actually go there. That's probably porn. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> we probably didn't get to it first, guys. So sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. Um I found a tent that has a built-in cot. So it has legs. So you're not on the ground. <laughs> That's great. 
Yes, Lily. So also, if God decides to flood everything again, I'll be ready. (laughs) (laughs) What brand of tent is this? Let me tell you what. It was by the brand Out Sunny. (laughs) Oh, God. We can never go camping Two-person compact pop-up portable folding outdoor elevated all-in-one camping cat tent combo set. (laughs) I feel like our camping experience together would be like the Goofy movie. (laughs) Where you show up in the fully functional RV and I have like my flint and steel. A hundred percent accurate. Like one hundred percent accurate. All right. Well that sounds like a really great tent. It's two hundred and thirty dollars, so it better be. Right. <laughs> two hundred and thirty dollars. And your functional but stylish outfit. What do you got? Okay, well, I don't know what you're trying to throw at me here. So I didn't want to go all frilly, frou-frou. So I'm wearing some kind of warm leggings. I'm wearing an oversized mm-hmm. shirt You're and an over. Yes, Lily. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Leggings and an oversized shirt. With pockets and <laughs> <laughs> underneath. Good. good, good. A $400 armored vest. <laughs> Because I don't trust what we're doing. <laughs> and so like, your torso is very well protected. <laughs> the rest of you is just... My leg's got to move. We got to right. be able to go. No, that's fair. That's fair. All right. How much does the outfit cost? Well, I didn't get to tell you that I'm also wearing combat oh boots. God. The Chelsea <laughs> style combat boots. No laces, nothing's getting in, and (laughs) a very handsome set of Western spurs that had a cross on them. So I'm protected by God. Spurs, all right. Divine spurs. Yeah, so I can kick people from behind. All right, what's our total? Oh, for the outfit, um... (laughs) just $635 so just all right that's great all right thank you your food item what do you have what do you got apples because <laughs> <laughs> you know why why i can i can also practice my th- my throwing stars at the Oh, okay. That's good. Because why would you eat them? I'll eat them afterwards. That's how I'm going to chop them. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah, Lily, I am prepared. All right. Thank you. So how much would you think is a month's supply of apples? Oh, a month? A month oh, supply dear. of apples. So how oh, many I did apples not do that you, Yeah, how many apples would you eat in a day? Nope. Give me a month. Well, 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 
it's going to be like, I don't know, 200 bucks. You, you know, they're not cheap, but they're not the worst. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that sounds fair. Thank you. And what do you think an average American should get paid a month to live fairly comfortably? Let me tell you this from my soapbox. If the minimum wage had kept up with inflation, the minimum wage would be $30 an hour. And so I think that people should get no less than 5 k a month, which is roughly $60,000 salary for a year. So 5000 a month. Yes. All righty. And I also asked you to pick a number in the thousands. What is your number? 39,999. Oh, God. All right. You said I couldn't go over 40. 39,999. Mm-hmm. And what is the total cost of all of the things you have chosen? $1,200. This is like math mad libs. I don't know what you're doing here, Lily. I'm scared. <laughs> And you're smart, too, because I couldn't figure it out. I was looking and I was like, what is she trying to do here? What is this? What is it? How am I being tricked? But no, she's smart. Angela, Angela, of course, I am trying to build your army. My apple army? Your apple army. (sighs) Tell it to me straight, Lily. (laughs) How much trouble am I in? Well, we would only need 47 million. (laughs) (laughs) What? $998,800 to make your dream a reality. Okay, well, let me tell you what. Hold on. We're, hold on, Lily. Hold on. Guess what, Lily? I'm a, I guess what? What? In 2019, the Department of Defense budget was $686 billion, so I'm fine. I'm fine. Me and my apples and my throwing stars were fine. <laughs> okay, but Angela, that's for one month of service Ew. from your army. So if Ew. we did a yearly projection... We would only need. Oh, no. Five, yeah. $579,985,600 for the year, which is way under the, the country's cost. So I think we're on to something here, Angela. Thank you. Do you take American Express? (laughs) (laughs) I will have to charge that. This could be a big money saver for us. Yeah. Why aren't we using throwing stars? We already have hands. This is what I was thinking in my campaign for hands, (laughs) the ultimate weapon. I think that's where... We see the biggest cost cut, I do believe. It is the fact that you are armed with what you already have. All you need is ammunition. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
idiots. Dumb. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yesterday was Veterans Day. I feel so bad saying. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Happy Veterans Day. Fight with your hands. <laughs> Thank you for your service. And let's go. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so nervous. What have I done? <laughs> Thank you for doing all that for us, Angela. That was a treat. I'm glad we got to to glimpse your army. Thank you so much. We have lots of very nice spurs. I wanted to put Joshua's story to bed. But little did I know, his bedtime story is very heavy on the ancient geography of Canaan. Oof. Maybe the division of land is very fascinating to you. And in that case, I apologize in advance. You are welcome to read his last few chapters on your own because I'm not going to summarize the geography aspect of this story in my retelling. Yeah, we already did math today. We we just did math for you. (laughs) (laughs) Very accurate, very meaningful (laughs) math. So where did we leave off? Do you remember, Angela, where we left off? Joshua. Joshua, who took over Moses' position. Who tooted the flugelhorn in Trenton. Is it not the the story where uh, the one group of people tricked him into being like, we're so poor and don't even bother coming over here because we don't have anything. you to go check our previous Joshua stories before you hear this one but where we left off in case you do not have the time was he slaughtered a whole lot of people and took some kings out in order to take over their land he and his people are basically on the war path for his entire book so of course once the book ends there's a whole lot of land that now needs to be divided. So that's where we are. Okay, okay, okay. Divvying the spoils. Yes. Before we get into it, though, let's talk about the contrast between Moses and Joshua. Moses certainly did his share of fighting, but it was nothing in comparison to Joshua, who crossed the River Jordan, guns ablazing. He also had a magical parting water moment, just like Moses, but much less dramatic, as it was a matter of convenience versus an epic escape from a pursuing army. Moses's claim to fame, Egypt and the Ten Plagues aside, was the reformation of their culture and religion. Sure, he claimed some land, but that is not what defined his fame. Joshua, on the other hand, he and King David could have done some serious damage if they had teamed up. But the time of kings was far past Joshua's lifetime. Mm -hmm. Another difference between them is Joshua was a colonizer, big time. Moses did some fighting, but the sheer amount of colonization in Joshua's story absolutely overshadows anything Moses accomplished in the same regard. Mm -hmm. Who was more influential? 
hands down, it was Moses. He left the greater mental footprint, but the biggest physical footprint would definitely be Joshua. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. No surprise coming to the person who's actually reading the Bible here, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like Moses emotionally resonates so much more with all of us. So we left off with him having just killed five kings who tried to band together to defend themselves against Joshua and the army he had bulked up by recruiting some tribes from the east of the River Jordan. They were, as you know, unsuccessful. Not Joshua. He was very successful. I mean the five kings. Not only had he killed them and the king of A and the king of Jericho, but he ended up having a whole tally of kings on his bedpost. The chapter is very proud about all the regicide he committed. So I made a schoolyard song about it. Oh my goodness, Lily. What have you done? He killed the king of Hebron without a second thought. And that king from Jermoth with an army bribed and bought. Lachish's king was also killed with Eglin and Gazir. But we can't forget the slaughter of that king who's from Debir. Gosh, Lily, that's a lot of kings. We're just getting started. Horma's king was also killed, which made him very sad. Same goes for that other king who ruled in Arad. Libna had a king once too, but now I guess they don't. Will I attempt to rhyme a doolum? No, I super won't. <laughs> Makata's king was killed, and it probably got rough. Bethel was a given, because their king was not so tough. Tapua went kablua, and it caused quite a stir. Same goes. I'm dead. <laughs> Same goes for the killing of the king who ruled Heifer. Are there more, Lily? <laughs> Are there more? Afak was probably the last words of its king. And Lassorn lost their ruler without doing anything. Their only transgression was living in the West. When it comes to regicide, our Joshua is the best. That's a lot of kings. Oh, there's more. Lily! <laughs> I just got distracted. Maiden's king was lifeless when his body hit the floor. Same goes for the sorry king who ruled in Hazor. Shimron Marin lost his harem on the day he died. And the king of Akshifeth. 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 Once a city fried. The police are coming. There's so many deaths. <laughs> Tanik began to panic when he knew he had to go. Same goes for the worried king who ruled Megiddo. Gadesh's king was also killed, and I don't mean to startle, but they also killed the ruler of Jokneem and Carmel. What? The king of Dor, he died when he saw his city fall. The next to follow was the king of Goyim and Gilgal. The king of Tears was last, except the one I have not said. <sighs> Who is it? They killed the king of a little old place called Jerusalem. What? Lily, add my name to the list because I am deceased. <laughs> <laughs> 
King Angela has left the chat. (laughs) (laughs) Is that all the kings for Cripe's sake? (laughs) So the song excluded the king of Jericho in A, which we discussed in previous episodes. With them, in total, it is 31 kings. Damn. (laughs) The way the list is presented in the text is kind of like an inventory list. So it says, King of Hebron, and then tab, 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 in parentheses, one. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh my God, like a registry. (laughs) Hey, yeah, I'm I'm registered at Regicide RS. So however many kings you can afford... Just uh, help me kill them all. It's funny, though, because they don't even list them, like, in order. Like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's just one. And then at the end, say, it's 31. Do you doubt us? Do you count them yourself? Oh, my Yahweh. We have the receipts. (laughs) Dang. One king of Hebron. One king of Jock Beam. <laughs> and I mean, they were making their own receipts. So <laughs> I guess, I guess that's what we go by. And one king of Jerusalem. Yeah. Wow, Lillian. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So after killing all these kings and slaughtering or enslaving their people and destroying a number of their cities... Joshua is pretty advanced in age. One night, God comes to him and says, You are very old. He's just, he's not subtle. And it sometimes it feels like he's negging people, but... It also feels like he hasn't been there the whole time. Like, yeah. he just kind of comes in and out. And on this particular visit, he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you really. You are, like, really mortally right now. <laughs> yeah. You're looking, you're looking decrepit. Maybe, like, you need to get your roots touched up. I don't know. Rude. Rude. He continues. There are still a few places we need to conquer, but, like, looking at you, no offense, I don't think it's going to happen. So, I'll just tell you the places, and you can, like, write them down and delegate that to someone else. So, for now, for now, I just want you to focus on dividing all this land up amongst the tribes. (sighs) That's like a lot to process all at once. Like you're just going about your life being like, this is my job. And then God's like, oh, gosh, you shouldn't be driving anymore. We need to take your license away. and Maybe we can find someone else to drive. Okay. I love, though, that there's this really militaristic character and he's given military plans. Of course, that's easy for him to remember and convey to other people. Mm -hmm. Whereas Moses, on his deathbed, was given a song he had to sing. Yeah. Do a number for us, okay? (laughs) And a one, and a two, and... (laughs) 
poor Moses, who's slow of tongue and slow of speech, was like, oh, you want me to perform? <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Is it at least karaoke? No, it's acapella. <laughs> okay. Okay. Joshua divvied up the land east of the Jordan, west of the Jordan, valleys, hills, more hills. Some went to this tribe. Some went to that tribe. Some went to people who came to him claiming their share because they did this or that or God or Moses said so. Some returned to vacant cities, others to ruins. Some returned to hostiles lying in wait or less than ideal resources. And if they complained, Joshua pretty much just Tim gunned them like, make it work, people. (laughs) Or else we'll be saying Afidasein. (laughs) Along with all the other tribes of Israel, it was also time for the tribes of the East to return home. Remember them? They were the people Joshua enlisted to conquer the land west of the river. Joshua gave them a whole parting speech. Oh, okay. You guys have done what I asked you to do, and that is just great. Now, (laughs) I know what you're thinking. How the heck are we going to return home after killing a countless number of our brethren and neighbors? And to that I say, just don't think like that. (laughs) (laughs) Just stop being mad, Lily. (laughs) We, We don't think like that. You see, we've been able to do all this because our God said to do it. It's our divine right. We're manifesting destiny here. So just don't don't worry about that. Speaking of our God, he's your God now. I mean, that reasoning I just shared with you won't make sense unless he's your God too. Am I right? So just worship him with all your heart and soul and you should be fine. Because God is giving this land to you. This land is our land. This land is our land. From all the stuff that we took from your land. (laughs) Yeah. The tribes of the East looked side-eyed at each other. They were not being given land. They were going home. To the region they already inhabited. Why would they have to worship this God? There was no question that the people of Israel were victorious. But was that because of their God or because they had helped them? Now, this is Mm. not what happened, but consider. You lead an army of Legging, wearing, oversized shirt with pockets. Pockets. Five-star throwing projectile weapons. Yeah. Beautiful tents that just pop up. (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget the spurs. And the spurs. They have the cross on it. Someone conscripts your army. The person who has hired you is required to supply your army with either funds, or materials so that you are able to travel and fight. 
your army has to be paid, fed, housed, outfitted, etc. So there are fees, especially if you're not fighting for personal, political, or religious reasons, like mercenaries. Mm. So your army gets hired. You see victory after victory occur. You watch the people who hired you fill their coffers to the brim and beyond. They get rich, wealthy. It is customary to give a cut of the spoils to the people you enlist. That's what the Vikings did, at least. You would basically pile the plunder at the Jarl's house. He would take his Levite cut, quote unquote, and then everyone else, depending on position, performance, and or age, would round robin the rest. Mm. Back to our hypothetical. You have been salivating over the spoils since Jericho, but the people who hired you said their God gets all the gold. Then another city falls, much smaller than Jericho, and those spoils can be circulated. Do you remember that when that happened with A, where God said no one can take anything from the spoils of Jericho? Someone did, so he doomed them for the next fight. Of yep. pure, yeah. Yeah, that guy was furked. And then when they conquered A, which is way smaller than Jericho, he was like, you can have everything from this. Yeah. So they are piling and piling their plunder, and now the war is over. Instead of getting a whole cut of the war you fought in, you get to go home with some of it. Not some of it like your share. Some of your share. Yeah. Sure, you've been gone for years and years helping them get rich. But while you've been fighting for them, their assurance of their entitlement to this land has strengthened to the point that they believe your land is theirs. You just saw them murder everyone who is not them, and your people were one of the few exceptions. So what are you going to do? Rise up? You and your army? Your army is a fraction of theirs. A fraction that helped them tip the scales, but a fraction nonetheless. Unless I band together with all the other people, Lillian, and then we all shoot throwing stars at their faces. So there. Now picture yourself as the wife of a soldier. Your husband has been gone for years. Not World War years, like the Odyssey amount of years. Yeah. And when your husband comes home, finally comes home, he has only a fraction of what you thought he'd gain. And a mandatory god. Mm. Who is this god? Sounds like a cult. Luckily, their husbands, sons, and brothers could tell them exactly who this god is. They had seen his favor. Some of them even knew Moses. They had lived and fought with the Israelite people for years, witnessed and participated in their practices, worshipped their god. Sure, gold and even spoils would have been nice, but not being obliterated by zealots and the friends you may have made is also nice. Yeah. 
it might take the wife some convincing, but, you know, she's just got to Tim gun it at that point. <laughs> Make it work, ladies. So they did get paid in plunder for their efforts, but it was minus whatever God said belonged to him, just like in the story of Jericho. Mm. That's why I created this hypothetical, because that would not be allowed in, let's say, the Viking world. Yeah. You had to be upfront about anything and everything you plundered and any taxation mm-hmm. or extra cost was paid through the Levite cut slash the Jarl's cut or with the rest of the participants equally. Hmm. Yeah, I don't like I don't like this deal. Anyways, Joshua blessed the tribes of the East, gave them some spoils, and they went home. Once they got back, they built an imposing altar on the banks of the River Jordan. Now, what is wrong with building an imposing altar on the banks of the River Jordan, Angela? What makes it imposing, do you think? It's manufactured. Where are you supposed to build an offering site, Angela? Up. You're supposed to build it up. In the high places. Oh, that makes so much more sense. Yes. I was like, well, what is wrong with that? (laughs) In the high places. Yes. Remember in in one of our previous episodes where we talked about how if you are building a sacrificial altar, the stones you use cannot be in any way altered from their original state to build an imposing structure it would have to be somehow manufactured and it was on the bank of a river Mm. not on a hilltop or a mountaintop why'd they do that <laughs> That's exactly what the Assembly of Israel wanted to know. <laughs> the Assembly has questions. The Assembly automatically gets ball vibes, idol Ooh. vibes. Mm. So mm-hmm. they organize an attack. <gasps> I mean, the Eastern tribes know better than that. Like I've said, they they lived among the people of Israel for years, they knew Moses, heard him speak. They knew the laws, the practices of the people whose God they were worshiping. Yeah. Literally, the last thing they were told was to worship him wholeheartedly the way he likes it. (laughs) And they go and do the one thing he hates the absolute most. Other than people getting old. <laughs> You're a very advanced age. <laughs> You're gross. Uh-oh. So before they attacked, they had a meeting of the elders from all sides to hash it out, which for the people of Israel was really nice of them. They don't usually do that. Yeah. Well, at least as of late. <laughs> So they met and the elders of Israel were like, hey, Eastern tribes, what the actual fuck? 
you were by our side for the calamity of pure where we disobeyed God. You remember what happened. We have made you our people and your heresy will cause us all to suffer. Uh Uh-oh. The tribes of the East fiddled nervously with their tunics. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Ay, 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 ay. (laughs) Oh, that altar? They said, the altar is purely decoration. Uh Uh-oh. You you thought we were going to make offerings on that? Obviously not. (laughs) Quick, Ishmael, put out the fire. (laughs) (laughs) Who would do that? Not Ishmael. (laughs) No, no, No one would do that unless they were like a bunch of heathens. Not like us. So Moses, as you know, laid down the laws for how a place of offering should be constructed. And it is down to the most tiring detail. Mm. The building of the tabernacle is what actually made me stop reading the Bible the first time I tried. Because it is so particular. Size, material, the way it's facing, who can run it. Every little minute detail matters. Decoration? Asked the elders of Israel. You think our religion is aesthetically pleasing? That was your big takeaway? No, 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 replied the Eastern tribes. I mean, yes, it's very nice. But no, it's totally symbolic. Of what? Asked the elders. The tribes of the East completely rock their reasoning. Hmm. They explain that the future generations of their people may one day see the River Jordan as a physical divide between the ideological us versus them. We are not of your people, they explain, but we share our God. They state that the altar is a foothold for those in the West to straddle the river through their shared belief, a way to diminish the physical divide and a tribute to what they gained from its crossing. Hmm. Okay. Does that work? (laughs) The assembly is pleased. Oh. Oh. They call off the attack and the altar is officially named a witness between us that the Lord is God. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now, back to Joshua, who is old. (laughs) Poor old Josh. (laughs) It's time for him to give his speech. Remember the one... From Moses that Shelly sang for us. And it was so beautiful and heartbreaking. Yeah. I just like re-listened to it recently. (laughs) So here's Joshua's. Mr. God, Mr. Elders, and the distinguished members of the assembly. I stand on this rostrum with a sense of deep humility and great pride 
humility in the wake of those great Israeli architects of our history who have stood here before me, pride in the reflection that this forum of legislative debate represents human liberty in the pursuit form yet devised. Here are centered the hopes and aspirations and faith of the entire human race. I address you with neither rancor nor bitterness in the fading twilight of my life, with but one purpose in mind, to serve my country. There are those who claim our strength is inadequate to protect on both fronts, that we cannot divide our effort. I think of no greater expression of defeatism. The communist... I'm the foreign gods... (laughs) Threat is a global one. Its successful advance in one sector threatens the destruction of every other sector. You cannot appease or otherwise surrender to foreign gods in Moab without simultaneously undermining our efforts to halt its advance in the East. I am closing my 52 years of military service when I joined the army, even before the turn of the century. It was the fulfillment of all of my boyish hopes and dreams. The world has turned over many times since I took the oath on the plane at Mount Carmel. (laughs) What is happening? (sighs) And the hopes and dreams have long since vanished, but I still remember the refrain of one of the most popular barrack ballads of the day, which proclaimed most proudly that old soldiers never die. They just fade away. And like the old soldier of the ballad, I now close my military career and just fade away. An old soldier who tried to do his duty as God gave him the light to see that duty. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, Angela, how much did that sound like the farewell speech for General Douglas MacArthur? (laughs) That's crazy. It's crazy because it's so true. It sounded just like his except for that the words Europe and Asia and communism were replaced (laughs) anyway that was his speech to the elders which was basically him delegating the rest of the fighting that he had hoped to do from that list God gave to him yeah He is not only giving them... Ooh, here we go. Pour one out for Joshua. (laughs) (laughs) He is not only giving them divine instruction, but holding them accountable by doing it publicly. Mm -hmm. Just like General MacArthur did. Oh, He was not ready to step down. Unlike others who had been chosen, he never asked God if he had done enough. He could have, would have, stayed in service, 
if God had granted him more time. The farewell speech he gave to renew the covenant is much better. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you the highlights. He talks about how they will be eating from fields they did not sow, picking from trees they did not plant. Hmm. He urges them to acknowledge this by staying true to their God who gave them these things. Respect those they have killed by staying true to the reason they killed them. Or it will all have been for nothing and they will simply be murderers. He says that there will be foreign gods all around them disguised as neighbors friends, and potential wives, but they must stay true to their own kind. Then he unleashes that classic tea towel phrase, that cross-stitch wooden plaque favorite. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then he says something really interesting something Moses would have never gotten away with not having been raised among his own people, Hmm. no matter how true he knew it to be. He says, you will not be able to serve the Lord. Excuse me. Is exactly what they said. You just, we will, we will serve him. We love him and he loves us. He basically tells them that God's love is conditional. He admits that God is jealous, which seems like a very human trait and therefore somewhat sacrilegious. Yeah. He then claims that humanity is flawed and will inevitably fail God. They counter him again saying, no, we will serve the Lord. Joshua picks up a rock, places it under a tree and says, this rock is your promise and it lies in wait for your honesty. Then he died. There was no chariot for him, no torrent of wind to take him away, no disappearance of his body. He simply died at the age of 110. Yes, Angela. Old. (laughs) They have the receipts. Joshua won. (laughs) He was buried in the land he was allotted through a purchase he made with silver, and it was passed down to his sons. After his death, the bones of Joseph, as in the Technicolor turncoat Joseph, Mm. were brought to the same region to be placed in a tomb there. Hmm. What did they have in common? Not a whole lot. But like the imposing altar, it was symbolic. Joseph had called his people to Egypt to save them from starvation. Moses had freed them with the promise of land. And Joshua conquered it for them. Like the altar on the river, it straddled the us and them the strangers in a strange land and the ones who found themselves at the contested threshold of their new home. 
Hmm. Whoa, Lily, even. But he's dead now. He's dead now. Whoa. Goodbye, General MacArthur. So, like... To put it into context, right after his book, the Book of Judges begins. Oh. So they then, after Joshua, enter the era of judges, which then becomes the era of kings through Samuel. Wow. Okay. Just to put it into timeline mm-hmm, context. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is what's laying the foundation for these super epic mm-hmm. tales. It's a, an incredible story in in that you have told yes. it. It's an incredible story, but you already know, our listeners already know my thoughts <laughs> on the concept of divine right and manifest destiny. Yeah. They bother me. Yeah, I think that's what makes it hard to be like, I mean, I'm interested, of course, especially because it's in the context of this whole ding dang book that we're doing. <laughs> but... <laughs> but yeah, it kind of, mm, it's hard to be like, yeah, like there's some stories where I've been like invested in like the character prevailing because I like their character or like because they're whatever. It's, it's It seems very personal. And with this, it's like, good, good speech, my guy. But I also feel weirdly attached to Moses, even though he also is the precursor for all of this. So I'm like, it's a good speech, but it's not Moses. Oh. I know. I made I made myself love Moses so much through telling his story. He just has such a good story. Yeah. It's so good and heartbreaking and oh my goodness. Yeah. That's that's I, I'm just attached. I'm just I'm just attached to this guy <laughs> had to work so hard just to keep people focused for a decade or four and uh, yeah i can't believe they got away with that altar stuff i mean maybe they really felt that way (laughs) but i just i'm just surprised because they seem to be a stickler for the rules so no it's like a thing about remembering we're gonna use that crazy no the wood was just because we were obviously we didn't build this functional thing to be used yeah these unblemished goats are just also decoration Uh, (laughs) i think i'm setting up god's barbecue by the river never well he's dead now so goodbye joshua but that's another book we've covered you guys longtime listeners we have done genesis whoa exodus whoa leviticus not numbers uh wait you can wait on that we did a lot of numbers today we cannot wait on numbers uh do, 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 Deuteronomy, which goes into Judges, as I said, which goes into Samuel, which goes into Kings, you guys. We have done a lot of book. We have done a lot of 
book. Dang, Lily. It's quite impressive. And what will we do next? <laughs> well, December for Crimbus time, as always, I will be in the New Testament. Talk about Jesus. Continue the story of Jesus in a linear fashion, which is how I always wanted the story to be told. So <laughs> stick with us. In December, we're going to continue his story. Aww. I can't believe the holidays are upon us so soon. I know. That's so crazy. I want to, I want to, on that note, say thank you so much to all of our listeners who have continued listening and supporting us and enjoying the stories and coming along for this crazy biblical ride. You know? Yes. Oh, it's so wonderful to know people have been listening for so long and it's so, so fun when people hop in and join us. If this is your first episode, welcome, welcome, welcome. And um, to everyone listening also, word of mouth is the best mouth. So So the best kind of words. (laughs) So uh, word your mouths about our podcast because it is the best thing you could possibly do. Uh, The second best thing you could possibly do, Angel will tell you about. (laughs) Yeah, the second best thing you possibly do is uh, join our family on Patreon. As we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we have a group of incredible patrons who support us every month and help keep the show going, honestly. And we're so grateful for them. And if you'd like to join us there, you can get cool, fun perks for joining, like handmade postcards and shirts and stickers. And it's truly as little as a dollar a month. So if you have that and you would like to support the show, please head over to patreon.com slash Bibleish podcast. It's patreon.com slash Bibleish podcast to join the Patreon fam. Again, we are not here to mock or glorify the Bible. We are just two modern day ladies trying to wrap our heads around an ancient text. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye.